there was a woman, and uh, she was taking her mother for a drive. And whenever she went over the speed limit, her mother would give her a hard time. Well, she dismissed her mother's advice, and it wasn't long before a state trooper pulled her over and gave her a ticket. As a police officer was walking away, the woman kind of looked over at her mother and complained to her mom and said, well, he could have at least let me off with just a warning. Her mother turned to her and said, honey, I gave you the warning. He gave you the ticket. Today, as we continue working our way through the final week, as we look at Jesus' final week on earth, we're looking at John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15, which Pastor Joel read for us just a little earlier. The message is entitled, The Power That Empowers. And last week, we actually started talking about the Holy Spirit, and and part of the Holy Spirit's job was to, to be there as a helper for us, as a paraclete. Well, today's scripture is a little bit different because Jesus tells us another part of the Spirit's job, and that is to give a warning. In verses 7 through 11, it says, But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world stands condemned. And there are some versions that actually in verse 8 they say, and when he comes he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. First thing I want us to notice is who Jesus says that the Spirit is going to convict. Who is the Holy Spirit supposed to convict in these verses? It is the world. Jesus here isn't talking about the Spirit convicting us, you know, the followers of Jesus Christ, the believers of Jesus Christ. It's not that the the Spirit couldn't do that or the Spirit wouldn't do that, but that is not Jesus' main focus in this portion of Scripture. The Spirit was sent to convict the world, to convict the lost. He comes to convict the world of their need for Jesus, their need to be saved. Of course, the question is, how, how does that work? How does the Spirit do His thing while while we are doing our things and while I do my thing? Today I want to break it down just a little bit. First, Jesus said that the Spirit would convict the world concerning sin. That means that I do not have to lecture people about their sin. That is the Spirit's job. The Barna Group, which is a, a religious survey group, They did an online survey back in April of 2011, and they found that one-third of U.S. adults, they feel held back or defined by something in their past. About the same number of American adults reported dealing with some kind of emotional conflict that was unresolved emotional conflict or, or some conflict in life. That means that there are an awful lot of people out there who are hurting, who are struggling, 
A lot of people who know that their, their sin is damaging them. We have a lot of broken people around. They don't need my help. They don't need your help to tell them that their lives are a mess. They already know that. But what they don't know is how to fix that. Now, if someone asks you if homosexuality is a sin, you can reply, yes, the Bible says that it is. Is sex outside of marriage, is that a sin? And the Bible says, yes, it is. Is deceiving others or hurting other people, is that a sin? The Bible says, yes. You can tell people that is a sin. But it doesn't do us any good to, to go around nagging non-Christians about their sins. It doesn't do us any good to, to go and, and to put people on blast because of the things they're doing wrong. See, that is the Spirit's job. God did not save us so that we could play God and condemn others. Our job is to witness to them, to share with them, to tell them what Jesus has done for us. You could put any of those in that fill-in-the-blank that you wanted. Our job is not to condemn them at all. Think about it. If someone, if someone was constantly nagging you about something that you were doing or, or maybe something that you were not doing, how likely would you be to change? Well, you might change, at least while they're around, but then as soon as they're gone, you, you go back to, to being who you are or doing what it is or, or not doing what it is you were doing because you don't really want to change anyway. You are just kind of changing because of them, and you may even find yourself wanting to avoid them so that they don't keep nagging you. It works that way on Facebook, on other social media platforms as well. There are a lot of Christians out there who, who will say mean things, who will say hurtful things. We're, we're a little bit more bold when it, it's not in person, when, it, when it's in, in text form or it's in some kind of media form. They say hurtful things about politicians or other people who they don't really agree with, who don't see things eye to eye with them. It makes them feel better about themselves because they've taken a stand for righteousness. And I wonder if in their opposition to sin and, and they're nagging the world, if somehow they're, they're not just making it harder. But God says, that's not going to work. In James chapter 1, it says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Martin Luther said, you cannot get rid of hate with hate. You can only do that with love. If you're out there and you're posting things on Facebook that, that are kind of negative against people or if you're putting people on blast, we need to stop. We're not doing God any favors. We're actually just dragging the name of Jesus through the mud so that we can feel better about ourselves. See, it's not your job to do that kind of thing. It's the Spirit's job. It is the Spirit's job to convict people of their sin. Second thing Jesus said was it's the Spirit's job to convict the world concerning righteousness. Now, people sense their, their need for personal righteousness anyway. It's already there. It's almost like built into us in a way. 
But their standard of righteousness is mostly based upon their own righteousness. You know, I'm not near as bad as that other person. And they hope that somehow they can get God's approval for their self-righteousness or through their self-righteousness. But Christian morality, it is based on Jesus' righteousness. And that's why so many people oppose Christianity. Because Christ's standard of righteousness, it is so much higher than what theirs is. And that truth, it makes them uncomfortable. John chapter 3 at verse 20, we are told everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. And so the Spirit's job, and ours in this case, is to point people to Jesus' righteousness, not our righteousness. We should be pointing people to Jesus whenever we can. There's a story about a preacher who had advertised a very special invitation to a meeting there at the church building. He offered critics their chance to come in and to air their objections about Christianity. Apparently over 1,200 people showed up for that meeting. And many of them were given a chance to come up and to, to share in the microphone and to voice their concerns. One man said, church members are no better than anybody else. Okay, most of us could probably agree with that. Someone else said, the preachers are all crooked. The church is full of hypocrites. The church is only interested in your money. In all, there are about 27 objections to Christianity. The preacher, he wrote them all down on a piece of paper. And when the critics were done, when they had their time, the preacher stood up and he read through the list of all the objections. And then he tossed the paper aside. And he said, friends, you have objected to preachers, to church members, to bad congregations, but you have not said one word against my master. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And then he began to preach about Jesus. He spoke of Christ's love and his righteousness. He spoke of Jesus Christ being the faultless son of God and how he had come to, to live and, and to die in our place. And then he offered an invitation. And get this, 49 people came down and accepted Jesus Christ and responded. But what was the preacher's point? What was he trying to get across? His point was this. He was not going to focus on the righteousness of Christians or of preachers, or of churches, or of denominations. Instead, he was determined to focus on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Quite a few years ago, we did, uh, in, in the Thursday night Bible study, when we were still meeting in the big house back there, we did a, a, a group discussion on a book that was entitled, They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. And you know, there are a whole bunch of other, church, other books out there that deal with kind of the same thing. There's unchristian, Lord save us from your followers, and you can go on and on. I have a whole stack of them. See, too many times we've given Christ a bad name, and, and people, we're not pointing people to Jesus' righteousness. You see, that's a major part of what the Spirit strives to do, to point people to Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And once people realize how righteous Jesus Christ really is, 
and they realize how righteous they are not. They are not righteous enough, and they can begin to realize their need to be forgiven and their need to follow Jesus Christ. Lastly, the Spirit. Jesus said the Spirit's job is to convict the world that there is a coming judgment. There will come a time of reckoning. Thomas Jefferson, who was, who was not a, a very godly person, a very godly man, he said, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. Even Thomas Jefferson felt the conviction of the Spirit on this. Even he knew that there was going to be a coming judgment. If you notice, the Spirit's job is not to make people feel comfortable about themselves. Instead, he focuses on convicting people that they are sinners, that they are not righteous, and that one day they will face the judgment. Scripture tells us that God is not slow, but that he is patient, that he is allowing everybody time to come to know Jesus Christ. But you see, in all that, the question is, where do I fit in? Where do you fit in? Where do we fit in? Well, do you realize that you and I are a critical part of this whole plan? Romans chapter 10, verse 14 tells us, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone telling them? Notice that Romans isn't saying that people will believe because of the Spirit. You see, that's not the Spirit's job. What it is saying is that sinners will believe because you told them, because you shared with them. And if you don't tell people about Jesus Christ, there is a very good chance that they may never know about Jesus and they will not be able to experience eternity with him. You see, we, we have a job, and that is to tell people about Jesus. But we're not doing it alone. Jesus says the Spirit is our helper. The Spirit's job is to help us. And he does that by setting people up for us so that we can go and to share with them. The Spirit basically is, is priming the pump a little bit, if you will, softening the hearts Speaking to people before you get to them so that they are ready to hear what you have to say. But how does the Spirit do that? Well, sometimes the Spirit convicts people through Scripture. In Acts chapter 8, God sent Philip to go and witness to a government official. The official is from Ethiopian, Ethiopia. We know him as the Ethiopian eunuch. And as Philip approaches this eunuch, guess what the guy is reading? He's reading from Scripture. And so Philip kind of comes up to him, runs up to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet. And Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch responds, no, how can I know unless someone explains it to me? Now, do you think that it was an accident that this man is reading from Isaiah when Philip comes up to meet him? An accident? A coincidence? No, probably not. The Spirit had already been at work in this man's life, setting him up for Philip to go and to witness with him, to share with him. Notice Philip just asked him a question. Do you understand it? 
But get this, Philip, he has been to Sunday school. He knows how to answer the man's question. And so he sits down next to the eunuch and he begins to explain to him what Isaiah is talking about. And right there in the middle of that Bible study, the eunuch, he looks over and he spots a body of water off in the distance and he says, look, there's water. What is to prohibit me from being baptized? And so Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch, they make their way into that water and he is baptized right then and there out in the middle of nowhere. And when all is said and done, that Ethiopian, he goes on his way rejoicing. Now sometimes the Spirit sets people up for us through circumstances. In Acts chapter 16, we read that Paul and Silas, they have been out preaching and they have been arrested. They have been thrown in jail. And while they're in jail, they're in shackles and they're in jail, they spend the evening having a prayer service and worshiping and singing praises to God. And then all of a sudden there's this mighty earthquake and all the prison doors, they swing wide open. And the jailer, he comes running over. And you have to understand this. For the jailer, anybody who was responsible for a prisoner, if the prisoner, it was the prisoner's life or his life. And if the prisoners had escaped and he was as good as dead. And he shows up there and all the prisoners are still there. And he falls on his knees and he asks, what do I need to do to be saved? See, the spirit there used his circumstances, his jailer's circumstances, to convict him of his need. And he knew just who to turn to for the answers. Well, Paul and Silas, you know, they had been to Bible study. And they knew exactly what to tell this man. And they spent some time teaching him and talking with him. And get this, at the end of it all, both he and his entire family, they were baptized into Jesus Christ. Sometimes the Spirit sets people up for us by convicting them of their sin. In Acts chapter 2, there is a huge crowd of people and they've all gathered together for the Passover feast. It's there in Jerusalem. And Peter gets up and he begins to witness. Basically, he begins to preach to the crowd. He tells them all about Jesus. Peter tells them how Jesus had been sent by God to be their Messiah how they had crucified him. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 37 says, when they heard what Peter was saying, they were cut to the heart. Basically, they were convicted by what Peter had to say. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Well, Peter, Peter had spent time with Jesus. He had been listening to Jesus and learning from Jesus. Man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> And so he knew just what to tell them. And in Acts chapter 2 at verse 38, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And get this, 3,000 people were baptized into Jesus Christ on that day. Can you, can you just imagine what that must have been like to have been Peter on that day? Can you imagine what it must have been like to, to tell people about Jesus and, and to have a response like that? If that happened here, we would blow the walls off this building. It would not contain the Spirit as the Spirit moved and His people were coming to Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be really cool? 
Well, here's my point. It's our job to witness. It's our job to share with people. Simply, it's our job to tell people what Jesus Christ has done in our own lives and what he continues to do. It is through our witness that people will be able to go to heaven. They will hear about Jesus. And so you and I, we are all a a crucial part of this. We are all part of this plan. But you do not have to do it alone. That's the amazing thing. We have the helper. We have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who, who goes and he primes the pump. He gets people ready to hear what it is you have to share. He convicts people of their sin, their need for righteousness, and the fact that there is a coming judgment. And when you realize that you're not alone, that you're not out there just trying to wing it, it's a lot easier to start looking for opportunities. And as you look for an opportunity and you respond to that opportunity, then lo and behold, there's another one and another one. And you start noticing them and you start acting on them a lot easier. There was a man, his name was Jim. And Jim, he had never wanted to have anything to do with church. He preferred to enjoy life. You know, party and drink and drink and drink. You see, he was a salesman for 84 Lumber. Not only did he drink in meetings, but he drank in bars. He also had his home very well stocked. And one day, Jim was at a fast food restaurant. He he was sitting there eating his meal and he was approached by a seedy-looking man who had this long trench coat, and he had this very scraggly-looking hair. And Jim just knew that it was a beggar who was going to come and ask him for something. But instead, it turned out that the stranger asked if he could give Jim something. And Jim was taken a little bit back, and, and not really knowing how to answer, he said, okay, sure. And so out of his trench coat, the stranger took a witness Bible And he simply said, read this. Jim quietly took the Bible and he finished his meal. A little bit later on when he was at home, he began to read it. He became convicted by what he saw in its pages. The Bible had these notations and and these little marks and and a verse was underlined. And then it would say, turn to this page, to this verse. And so Jim was turning from page to page and reading all the underlined verses. But you see, it was the final verse that really shook him the most. It was found on page 84 of the Bible. And he himself worked at 84 Lumber. After that, he poured all the booze down the drain and never, ever touched another drop. He soon accepted Jesus Christ and became a faithful follower to Christ and was baptized. You see, our job is not to convict people, not to condemn people. Our job is to love them and to share with them. The question is, are we doing that? And are we willing to do that? Because you see, the Spirit lives inside each one of us, and the Spirit is the power that empowers. 